Joe Biden pumps out his 76th executive order, and it's a doozy. And Hunter adds another splinter to daddy's butt. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Oh my gosh, so much stuff happening. Uh, we're going to have a whole episode tomorrow on Cuba. I know I'm running a little late today, but I was sitting back and reading a lot of news. I had some audio to cut. It was a pretty cool day today. So anyway, um, Cuba is now beginning to fight against the communist government. And, you know, the one that's ruled for 60 years and killed probably hundreds of thousands of people by now. And uh, I, the media is... Well, the media really doesn't seem to know what they want to do about it. So they're they're talking and they're coming up with things because Cuba, people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders, they were always kind of, you know, Cuba is like the example of the perfect socialist country and now it's not so perfect anymore. So they're kind of silent on it. We're going to have to see how that all works out. But the first thing we need to talk about is the 76th executive order by Joe Biden uh, that he signed on Friday. And this executive order really annoys me. Probably shouldn't, but it does. It's going to hit everything from your iPhone all the way to tractor repair. It is really something. It's going to make a real mess with the smartphone apps that you seem to love, that we all seem to love. And we're probably going to end up paying for them. A lot of these people, a lot of people say that this executive order is for big business, and it seems like it might be a little bit, a little bit not. But I can tell you why it's for big business. It's all based on regulation, and what we know for sure, looking at this stuff, is that it's going to cost the consumer more money again, because that's what Joe Biden seems to like. So here's the old man saying what he thinks about this executive order and what it's actually going to do. Fair competition is why capitalism has been the world's greatest force of prosperity and growth. By the same token, competitive economy means companies must do all they do to do everything they do to compete for workers, offering higher wages, more flexible hours, better benefits. But what we've seen over the past few decades is less competition and more concentration that holds our economy back. We see it in big agriculture, in big tech, in big pharma. The list goes on. Rather than competing for consumers, they are consuming their competitors. Rather than competing for workers, they're finding ways to gain the upper hand on labor. And too often, the government has actually made it harder for new companies to break in and compete. Okay, everything that Joe said there, pretty much crap. This is a guy whose economic experience is like zero. I have a better, I have as much experience to sit and give a lecture on brain surgery than Joe Biden has on economics. He knows nothing about economics. He's never hired a single person. He's never run his own business, and he's qualified about the economy. 
And he's sitting back and he's blaming big business. But all this actually does, this executive order actually does, is put more regulations on business, all businesses. And those regulations, by the way, don't hurt big business because they can handle them. It hurts smaller businesses. They can't handle them. They're the ones that are going to have to spend money and compete. So let's talk about what this executive order is going to do. Um, there are a couple more things that bother me about this that I'll bring up a little bit later. So let's take a look. So this executive order actually attacks several areas in our lives. First is healthcare. So in healthcare, it calls for the Department of Health and Human Services to issue a plan within 45 days to combat high prescription drug prices. Now, I, I don't know about you, but Trump actually was doing this when he left off, before he left office. He had allowed states to import drugs from foreign countries that sell the same drugs for cheaper. And he actually did this. But Joe Biden overruled that decision he, through an executive order saying, well, we're going to analyze it. And now he's looking at how to combat high dr prescription drug prices. Uh, Trump already did that. It just he wrote everything that that Biden did. He overruled just to implement the same policies again. He calls for Health and Human Services to consider rules within 120 days to allow hearing aids to be sold over the counter. I don't understand this. Hearing aids are really not something you sell over the counter. They usually have to be adjusted by a doctor. So I think that's going to be interesting to see how that's going to work out. <clears throat> Directs the Food and Drug Administration to expedite uh, imports of prescription drugs from Canada Trump already did that, and it was overruled by his executive order um, back in January. So he's basically going to implement the exact same thing that Trump had. Encourages the Justice Department and Federal Trade Commission to revise guidelines for hospital mergers. You know, I just don't like this in general. If, a if two hospitals merge, they're merging because they have to. It's really not much of an option. They see there's a benefit. I can kind of understand why you want... I, I don't know what the Justice Department has to do with it, but I can see why the Federal Trade Commission wants to maybe take a look at it. That's fine. That's already legal. We already do that for the most part. But I, I, don't, like when, I don't like when the government that is an expert at absolutely nothing tries to jump in and make decisions on things. I think that's bad and calls on the health and human services to back hospital transparency rules addressing surprise hospital billing and that standardized plans on the national health insurance marketplace to help comparison shopping hate this hate this and that's because i know enough doctors i used to work in a health center i i know what goes into this the problem with doctors trying to give you an estimate as to what they're going to charge you is that they never really know what's going on until after it's done. They don't know how much drugs, you how, how much in the way of drugs, prescriptions you're going to need. They don't know if there's going to be complications, things like this. This is why we don't have a lot of doctors out there anymore. A lot of surgeons, they're quitting because they don't want to deal with this. This is just dumb. And it could be seen as something like a dentist 
they they go in and they're working on your teeth. You need a cavity filled, and then they realize the cavity you've actually infected the root. You need a root canal. Well, now you're going from one hundred and fifty dollars to about eight hundred dollars. And is that the doctor's fault that your tooth is jacked up? No. But see, that's the whole thing with the Democrats. The Democrats see this as a right. They don't see a, a medical expertise as a good thing, as a as a not a right, but as a commodity, and that's what it is. So then he talks about uh, the bill talks about internet services. So there are three things there: encourages the Federal Communications Commission to prevent internet service providers from making deals with landlords to limit tenant choices for broadband services. That's great, because basically what that's telling you is that the landlord has no choice but to wait and have his building rewired 500 times dependent on the tenant. I I hate this thing. I walked in my last building, only had Cox, so I had Cox cable, and the entire building was, was wired for Cox. So if somebody else came in, Cox was there, I could order Cox and I'd be good, or I could get myself uh, the dish. And But I chose Cox, and it was already there. It's hooked in. They walked in. They did a, a change, and I was already online. Now what he's saying is, oh, we're going to have competition with this stuff, and the landlords are going to have to foot the bill to configure the building for a specific, for a number of, of specific internet service providers. Doesn't seem really fair. It's really anti-landlord. Calls on communications regulars to require service providers to report prices and rates and limit early termination fees. Um, I don't buy this at all. Uh, The government has actually made it this way. I don't buy this because basically it's taking away competition. It's, It's suddenly, it is basically nationalizing the internet connection. And it encourages the FCC to restore net neutrality rules undone by the Trump administration. Now, I'm not a huge fan of net neutrality, and that's because net neutrality is based on need. It's not based on, I hate black people, which a lot of people say is what it's about. Net neutrality basically makes it that if you order a specific amount of bandwidth, Person A orders a specific amount of bandwidth, and person B orders a specific amount of bandwidth, and person A doesn't use as much bandwidth as person B, person A's bandwidth will be throttled so that they can meet the the needs of person A. Now, person A probably will not even realize their bandwidth has been throttled because they don't use the internet that much, and that's net neutrality. It eliminates that. So that person A and person B get the same amount of, of bandwidth no matter what. Here's the problem with net neutrality. It, it has the belief that bandwidth, internet bandwidth, is infinite. And it's not. It's finite. There isn't. You're running everything through cables. You're running through services and switches and routers. It's not infinite. And sometimes what in order to keep the performance up, for people who use it a lot more, like my grandmother wouldn't use the internet as much, well, they'll throttle her to give a little more bandwidth to somebody else so that he can keep doing what he's doing. But they don't want that. So again, this is this is made up. It's made up by a guy named Tim Wu. We're going to talk about him in a few minutes. 
if this is made up by people who understand and have never worked in the technology sector, they have no freaking idea what they're doing. So another part, labor. Encourages the FTC, Federal Trade Commission, to ban or limit the use of non-compete clauses and occupational licensing restrictions to limit worker mobility. So the idea is if I have a contractor's license in California and I move to Texas, that contractor's license should follow me to Texas. So I don't have to get a new contractor's license in Texas. I don't agree with that at all. First off, I don't even think that's that's crossing that that worker is actually crossing uh, lines, but he still becomes a worker in the state of Texas. I don't think it works that way. I think that's going to be seen as unconstitutional. But also, um, just because you have one set of standards in California doesn't mean Texas follows the same set of standards. And that's typically why you get those business licenses, because you need you need the license. You need to understand how they do things over in Texas. Um, it encourages the FTC and the Justice Department to limit employers' ability to share with other businesses wage and benefits data to suppress outlays to employees. Now, this is where I see a real problem here. I, I disagree with this because I don't think it does what when businesses share data, I don't think it does what the Biden administration think. I think it, it actually does the opposite. He's saying because businesses actually share data, uh, payroll data, that that payroll data lowers workers' incomes. I don't think it does that. I think for the most part, it actually raises workers' income. I have a firm belief I don't like the minimum wage. I think the minimum wage is crap. I think the minimum wage should be determined by the market, not by government. That's why I hate minimum wage. But And this is just another example of minimum wage. It's a way of controlling wages, set wages by the federal government. And I don't think they should do that. I think we should let the, let the market determine wages. So I don't like that one at all. Uh, transportation shipping is another thing. It urges the transportation department to issue rules requiring refunds of fees when airline baggage is delayed or when services like in-flight Wi-Fi and entertainment systems don't work or aren't provided. You know something? I really hate the airline industry. I really don't give a damn. They've been asking for this for years. They've gotten bailouts from the government for years. You know something? And, and the thing is, they mess up and they don't care. So you know what? Screw them. I don't care. Urges the Surface Transportation Board to require freight railroad track, or track owners to provide rights of the way of passenger rail. I think that's just dumb. I just, I'm sorry. I just think that's dumb. Urges the Federal Maritime Commission to help rein in detention and demerge fees that foreign shipping companies use against American export exporters for the time their freight waits to be loaded and unloaded. I I don't know too much about that. I I guess that kind of makes sense. Uh, I don't see, I actually don't see too much of a problem with that. Oh, by the way, all this I'm getting from the Wall Street Journal. So this is all from the Wall Street Journal. So agriculture is the next thing. Um, urges the U.S. Department of Agriculture to consider Stricter rule, rules for meat 
for when meat can use product of USA labels. First of all, the first, this one could actually help farmers making sure foodstuffs actually have what they say they have in them. But I see a couple of problems. When the one is, when is a rule or regulation ever lowered the price of products or made it easier for a product to be put on the shelves? And usually never. And if prices go up, isn't that going to hurt both the consumer because they're going to stop paying the higher prices and the farmer because they'll still lose their income because people aren't buying the meat? Okay, the FTC is also limit farm equivalent manufacturers from restricting repairs on equipment by independent shops or the farmers themselves. So in other words, a proprietary machines. And by the way, this goes with big tech too. Big tech, they want big tech to stop proprietary, uh, proprietizing their products so people can get them fixed anywhere. So for example, if you have an Apple uh, iPhone, your iPhone can only really be fixed with an iPhone uh, sanctioned dealer. That also works the same way for, let's say, um, uh, farmers and their tractors. Well, here's my thing with that. Um, you can go buy a tractor that isn't proprietary, just like you can go buy, if, buy an iPhone that isn't proprietary. You can buy another phone that's not proprietary. Why is this even a thing? You know that when you bought your iPhone, if it breaks, or you buy you bought your iPad, or you bought your, your Mac, if that thing breaks, yeah, you're going to have to get it repaired, and it's going to be expensive. So I'm not exactly sure. Why don't you go buy a Dell or a HP? You can fix that stuff. Same with tractors. So I, I think this is stupid. I don't think it's even necessary. Um, banking and just and finance. This urges the Justice Department and other agencies to update guidelines on banking mergers and bolster the scrutiny of those mergers. This is already done. I, I don't know why we need to do this. So if Bank of America buys Countrywide, for example, that was already scrutinized. There's really no reason to do this. What exact, what more are you actually looking for? And then there's another one, encourages the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau to implement rules to allow banking customers to transfer their financial data from one bank to the other. Now, I, you can do this. It's kind of difficult to do. But one of the things that's going to really hurt is it's going to raise rates on bank, in, on bank customers. Because what's going to end up happening is these people are going to um, start charging you a maintenance fee. So 30, 40 bucks. I think I pay 20 bucks in my maintenance fee a month with my bank. It's just going to raise that price. So it, it really isn't helpful. And a lot of people don't do that anyway. How many people actually have multiple bank accounts? I know I only have one. Okay, big tech. This is the big one. Pledges greater secure scrutiny of mergers by dominant internet platforms and the acquisition of smaller competitors. I hate this. Okay, here's a newsflash. You have a guy, uh, you have a guy who starts a company 
and his company makes, let's say, Minecraft. Okay? Very famous. One guy made it, started a company. That guy was able to sell Minecraft, very popular app, to Microsoft, and he made billions. I mean, I think he made billions. A lot of these smaller app competitors aren't really competing. They're waiting to be taken up. They want to be bought out. The problem with this stuff is things like your apps that you get for free because they want their apps out there, they're now going to charge you for because they're not going to make the money. This is a terrible idea. Now, I understand, if they're t I know they're talking about some uh, companies like Google buying out Apple, let's say. That's a thing. They'll sit back and they'll look at that merger or they'll look at that acquisition, but they already do that. That's already something they look at. So I see this as just hurting the little business who's trying to become the big business. Urges the FTC to establish rules on large platforms, use of surveillance, surveillance and gathering of user data. This is basically, this is window dressing. The government is the biggest problem with surveillance and data gathering. So, yeah, this is, this is, do this, but we don't have to do this. Urges the FTC to create rules barring unfair methods of competition that could harm smaller businesses. Again, if you place any rule, you're hurting smaller businesses. This is not going to help smaller businesses. And it's definitely not going to bring in income to smaller businesses. Encourages FTC to curb cell phone manufacturers' restrictions against repairs by independent shops or consumers. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't agree with this either. Sorry, I had to sneeze again. For the same reason I didn't agree with it before. You brought a you bought a, a proprietary device. That business has a right to make sure that you can't get into that device and actually check out how it works. That's one of the reasons why Apple's i i all of their i products are proprietary. They don't want you getting in there and making changes to it. So I, I think this is this is all crap. I I, I really do. Um, where do I, I, I think one of the bigger problems with this is that, and what I find really disturbing is that this basically expands the bureaucracies and I hate bureaucracies. Here's a question I have for you. If this is, if you think there is a problem, let's say with net neutrality, why don't you try and make a law, send it through Congress, send it through the house to create the law send to the Senate to vote the law and then sign the law in. Because net neutrality has a lot of problems in it. But instead, we're just going to implement it through executive order and have the bureaucracies push it. We see this crap with the EPA. We see that this crap with the Department of Homeland Security. These are bureau bureaucrats. They're not voted in. These guys have lifetime tenures and they have no responsibility. They have no um, consequences for making bad decisions. I absolutely hate the use of bureaucracies. But one of the things, what can you expect? Because the people who are making all of these economic decisions 
are have never actually worked directly with the economy. So the question is, where do these bizarre ideas actually come from? Well, this one comes from a guy named Tim Wu, who I'd mentioned earlier with net neutrality. Um, he's a law professor and a progressive antitrust advocate. He wrote several regulations under the Obama administration. All of those regulations that he wrote were overturned um, by the Trump administration, only to be overruled again by the Biden administration. So he teaches law at Columbia University, and he's also a contributor uh, for the New York Times. So he does write for the New York Times. Folks, he's not even a lawyer. He's a frigging teacher at an Ivy League school who reads a lot and understands legal philosophy. He has no practical experience in any of the fields that he's making policies for. He's not the first one. John Gruber, who wrote the Affordable Care Act, had no experience in health care, yet he came up with this huge act that, was it a shock that it didn't even work? Do you know who would have had been a great advisor for any business policy? Donald Trump. Why? Because he actually worked in business. He actually, his business actually shaped the economy. Maybe that's why Donald Trump's crap worked with the and the economy flourished because he understood how the economy worked. Maybe that old guy who's been in politics for 60 years might not know how the economy really works. So he hires who? who? Some college professor who's not even a lawyer to make something up based off philosophies from guys who've been dead 200 years. That's basically what's happening. Okay, last story. Hunter Biden. This guy has got to be the biggest pain in the ass for the Biden administration. And you got to wonder why Biden puts up with it. You really do. So, Joe Biden had his candidacy almost, almost derailed because he was, uh, because Hunter was taking millions of dollars from China and the Ukraine. Uh, he almost derailed Joe's candidacy with his crack smoking and hooker loving, possibly of under with underage kids, found on that laptop he returned that turned out to be his laptop. Thank you, social media and the media, making that whole thing disappear. He implicated Joe Biden in his emails as the big guy. And the big guy was supposed to get money. Well, I take it back. It pretty much explains why Hunter Biden is still in the picture making money. And we won't even talk about the, the little things like Hunter illegally lying on a, a gun purchase form on a, um, on a, uh, uh, a ATF form so that he could buy a gun and then having that gun illegally discarded and the fact that hunter boned his dead brother's wife and got a stripper pregnant we want this guy has been a disaster for joe biden now hunter is doing something else that just leaves a whole load of questions 
So Hunter has decided now that he's quote recovered end quote from his drug addiction that he's gonna do art and he's been doing art for like three to six months. And the big surprise is that he's blowing paint through a straw. He's really you know you gotta figure he's pr probably pretty good with straws. Now to say his art is art is a real stretch. Most critics say it's garbage. Actually, every critic I've seen has said it's garbage. I've seen it. It looks like garbage. It looks like finger painting. I figure, you know, if I can make $500,000 on a piece of art where there's paint spilled all over it, I should be able to do it. But he's decided in September he's going to have this auction. And this auction is going to sell all his paint, all his paintings. Now, mind you, none of his paintings have actually gone through the rigors of the art community they haven't he's just you know blowing paint in the the blowing paint on the uh on the uh canvas and through a straw and is selling it which usually never happens and some of his artwork is going to sell between well his artwork is going to sell between 75 and 500 thousand dollars a piece the uh, now here's the problem the art community is known for laundering money. Uh, and that's not out of the question that this is going to be a, a real headache for old Joe. Joe Biden's ethics chief has already said this whole thing is a disaster. So what, what they decided to do is the White House got together with this brokerage house that's going to be um, that's going to be auctioning off his paintings and they made a deal. Any suspicious bids will be rejected. Now, if you've ever actually looked at Hunter Biden's paintings, all of them are going to look suspicious because anybody who spends over 15 bucks for any of these things, you've got to sit there and wonder what the hell are they thinking? And the bidders will be kept anonymous. Hunter won't know who did it. Nobody will know. The White House won't know who bought the painting. It's going to be completely anonymous. Yeah, no. The brokerage firm is going to get a 50% commission on every painting sold. Do you think if an artist, if a, if a, uh, a guy who bought this crap is going to sit there and say, I want to meet Hunter Biden, do you think that art broker is going to say no? He just made at least 30 some odd thousand dollars. Of course, he's not going to say no. Jen Psaki thinks, hey, this is a great plan, and it's transparent. Okay, I have a question mm -hmm. on Hunter Biden's artwork. Mm -hmm. Did the White House play any role in crafting the sales agreement with the New York Gallery um, to protect the, uh, the purchasers or the ultimate purchaser's identity? Well, I, I can tell you that after careful consideration, a system has been established that allows for Hunter Biden to work in his profession within reasonable safeguards. Uh, of course, he has the right to pursue an artistic career, just like any child of a president has the right to pursue a career. Uh, but all interactions regarding the selling of art and the setting of prices uh, will be handled by a professional gallerist adhering to the highest industry standards. And any offer out of the normal course would be rejected out of hand. And the gallerist will not share information about buyers or prospective buyers, including their identities with Hunter Biden or the administration, which provides quite a level of protection and transparency. Yeah, no. This is complete BS. Typical Democratic Party doublespeak. 
if it's black, it's white. If it's white, it's black. And if you don't agree that white is black, it's because you're a white supremacist. Um, it's garbage. And I never heard of something that's being hidden is actually proof of transparency. Well, even CNN is not buying this BS. Listen to this. Walter Schaub is the former head of the Office of Government Ethics under President Obama. Uh, Walter, thanks for being with us. So some of those safeguards uh, put in place are neither Hunter Biden nor the public will know who bid on or purchased the work. And if there's unusual behavior like the offer being too high, the collector doesn't appear to be interested, the gallery is expected to turn down the offer. You don't think that's enough. Why? No, I mean, they have outsourced government ethics to an art dealer. She mentioned industry standards. It's an industry that's notorious for money laundering. There's no standards in that industry. And the idea that they're going to flag any overly priced offers, well, this is art that hasn't even been juried into a community art sale. How is How are they going to decide what's unreasonable when they've already priced it in the range of 75000 to 500000 for a first outing. This is just preposterous and very disappointing. All right. Uh, Walter Schaub, always good to have you. Uh, we'll see you at the Hunter Biden auction in September. I'm kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, you are an art collector. People should know. I have a very modest collection. But you have a great eye for yeah, it. Thank you. But the idea that a, a, an artist enters the market at $75,000 doesn't happen. So a half million dollars. It just doesn't happen unless you're going for the name. And what does that name mean in this context? I have no doubt this is a money-making scheme that can be done because Hunter's last name is Joe Biden. That's the only reason it's being done this way. I also am thinking it's probably money laundering. Hunter has been doing art for three to six months. His art's crap. Why would anyone want it? The brokerage house is getting 50% of his sales. You think the customers who want to meet Hunter are not going to meet Hunter? They will. Brokerage wants to make wants to make money. And here's a big question. This is the question I would ask if I was Hunter's father. Um, why don't you wait three and a half years? Wait till I'm out of office and then sell your art. Why are is you are you doing this now? If you're that good, it'll sell for five hundred thousand dollars in twenty twenty eight or twenty twenty four, excuse me. You know why and so do I. If old Joe isn't really worried, he would bend over his, he would bend Hunter over his knee and give him a huge spanking. I'm not sure that would work because I think Hunter would like it. But I also think this I think Joe's making something here. So, okay, uh, you can visit, you can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, YouTube, and uh, Rumble. Uh, you can visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com to take a look at my notes. I uh, hope you guys have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.